0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center Podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So, um, if you have your Bible, open up to um, Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at a, a couple verses before that. But I want you to—you um, got a Bible, or if you got, have a Bible app, open your Bible, open your Bible app. Romans one is where we're going to start. We're going to do a little one-two, skip a few through Romans, um, guys. I'm going to start in Romans twelve, Cameron, uh, but and I'm going to show you a verse in Romans twelve in just a second. But I want your Bibles open to Romans one. It all makes sense here in just a few minutes. Uh, Sarah, we had a fun time. Hopefully y'all had a great Christmas and a great New Year's. Hopefully you just had a wonderful time. We had a, a great time, got to see family, and it was just a, a wonderful time. And the other day we were sitting there talking, and we have two big dogs, big drama queen dogs, Lucky Boy and Teddy. Um, and so, so Sarah, Sarah takes these, uh, and our dogs are on medication <laughs> because they're crazy. And so we give them, she gives them pills. I don't even know what pills she gives them. Gives them some pills. I don't know what they are. But she wraps, she puts them in cheese. She melts cheese and puts them in cheese. And so she feeds, you know, she goes and she's so sweet about it. Here, do baby. And and I'm like, and they just swallow it. They just eat it up. And they don't know they're being controlled. And so I thought, well, she she gives them this cheese and puts these pills in it. And she does it, it. She's so sweet and so nice about it. So I thought. What if she does this to me and I don't know it? So I'm like, she's giving it to the dogs, and I'm like, Sarah, do you do that to me? And this was her answer. Do you remember what you said? Okay. You want to come tell them the answer? Okay. What what right there, right after you give it to the dogs, I said, Sarah. Is this what you give to me? Is this, is this what you do to me? And this is what she said. No, I don't give you cheese. <laughs> this ain't nothing about the pills. Because that's what she does. She'll make food and do stuff and just and we have family coming over today for lunch. With Sarah's favorite mashed potatoes. There's probably something in them. You're gonna have a happy day. It's gonna be really good. Who's ever coming over? So praise the Lord. And then she also does this. She she buys me this stuff like, you know, um, these pills like, uh, oh, vitamins and yeah. And she she gives me these these focus pills supposed to help your focus. These focus pills. I just keep forgetting to take them. <laughs> just, but anyways, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not working. I just can't remember to take them. So um, praise the Lord. So I want to teach you today about, honestly, when I was praying about coming into this year, my heart's been stirred up with faith, and I felt like the Lord was saying that this year is going to be a year, now stay with me, stay with me, is going to be a year to prosper in all things. That's what I felt like the Lord was saying. So I was getting ready to teach, because some people, when you say the word prosper, you get different reactions, you get two extremes. You got people who sometimes you say prosper and they think, woo prosper and prosperity, praise the Lord and all that. You get others. ooh it's not good to prosper. No, 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 no. And you get two different extremes. And I think those extremes help to uh, create confusion about what the biblical definition is and what the biblical word for prosper is. So it. it so I wanted to kind of redefine that and bring that into truth and bring that into balance so that you could understand what it's like for you and I to partner with God into his plan to prosper us in all things. Doesn't mean we won't have battles. Doesn't mean we won't have persecution. Doesn't mean we won't go through some seasons and, and valleys of suffering and difficulty when we don't understand exactly what's happened, what's happening, but he brings us through to prosper us. To prosper us. Uh. <laughs> I'm just going to be me and do what I like to do so what's up y'all so glad you came to church let me see your ear pods real quick let me see that one you got your ear pods? one alright just want to make sure you're going I know y'all listen to the no you ain't listening to nothing yet that's good just want to make sure you're going to hear the sermon. I'll give them back to you afterwards. I know y'all love me. I know they do. Uh, you can check around your section. <laughs> See if anybody <laughs> needs a little help this morning. I'm sure you are, you know, listening to praise music. Praise the Lord. Anyways, so I felt like the Lord was wanting to talk about uh, truly getting an understanding and clarity on, on, on prospering, how we partner with him to prosper. And as I was praying about that, I was, I was thinking about tithing and thinking about money and how, how we need to teach about how to do it God's way and not our way. And, and, and so I was thinking about tithing, and I felt like the Lord said this to me. Before you teach them about giving 10%, you need to teach them how to give 100%. Because the 10% won't work unless you give the 100%. And so at first, I was a little bit like, because the medicine I probably had that day, I was a little bit like, like, 100% of the money? And he was like, no, 100% of yourself. God calls for, uh, we know everything, everything that's in our possession is 100% his. But I felt like he was was saying, calling us to like a time of dedication. I spoke some of this in Mexico just the thought of dedication, and I didn't realize I was going to be speaking some of this back here with us. But the other thing he said is, because, you know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall receive, anybody know what it says? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and be witnesses to me that word witness is talking about a living witness is where we get the root word martyr from and most of us know the word martyr as someone who dies for their faith but that's not the definition of a martyr that's the functioning functional definition of what we use for the word martyr someone who dies for their faith but the real definition of the word is somebody who lives for their faith and we begin to say, we've, we've kind of redefined the word martyr from being a living witness to somebody who dies for their faith because we saw people who were a living witness even in the face of death. And so I have people that tell me, Pastor, I die for Jesus. Okay, Tonto, how about just live for him? How about just live for him? And so I felt like God was saying, before they can be a living witness... You need to teach them how to be a living sacrifice. So some point in this year, I believe the Lord's going to lead us into teaching about how to prosper in all areas of our life. Every area and dimension of your life, the Lord wants to bring increase and in maturity in. But before that can happen, we need to know how to present ourselves to God. You need to know how to present yourself to God and there were two questions that I had thought of before we even jump into this and I thought like the Lord really wanted me to ask you this it might be a little cheesy but I really felt like he interrupted me and wanted me to ask you this I hope I can remember the questions rightly is number one do you think or would you agree that as pastor coming here to teach every Sunday morning would you agree that it would be it would be good and it would be right and you would have an expectation as, as, as your pastor, me coming up here to teach on Sunday mornings, that through the week that I would study and take notes in order to prepare to teach a sermon on Sunday morning? Would you have that kind of level of expectation for me? And, and if you found that I wasn't doing that, and the sermons were kind of like just not good at, and what, what, don't, don't, don't say nothing, just hypothetically, the sermons were not good. And there was no faith and no feeding. And you are like, I don't think pastor's studying. I don't think pastor's praying. I don't think pastor's taking notes. I don't think he's getting in the Word to prepare for the sermon. That would probably change some of you of where you go to church. Well, don't you think in, in the same way that there should be an expectation for you to take notes and study in the middle of the sermon? So that you can, go, you can go live a sermon afterwards. I promise you this: the sermons will get better when you get more dedicated. I've had people come to me, Pastor Man, you've been the last few weeks or whatever, you've been teaching so good. It's so, man, it's changed me so good. And I always know because this this, I'm doing the same thing I've always done. So I know it's like they've had time with the Lord. That they actually think my sermons have gotten better. And what's gotten better is their faith to be able to hear and, and apply the living word of God. And so with this in mind, I want to I talk to you today about presenting yourself to God. So don't, you don't your Bible should be open to Romans 1. We're going to get there in just a second. But guys, pull up in the Amplified Version, Romans 12. And I want us to look at this. It's a verse we all know very well. But I want us to look at this verse. Therefore. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. We're going to talk about what the therefore is for. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. There's a whole lot more we're going to get into in the next few weeks. But one of the things I want us to get hold of is I feel like this is something that we need to press into right now. 100% all in. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, whether whether you've done this a hundred times before or you've never dedicated yourself to the Lord. That the things and the plans that God wants to release and activate in your life and in your family will be contingent on your participation by laying your life on the altar Of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you lay it all down. And you lay it all unto Him. Because He's Lord of your life. And you present yourself to Him. Things will change. Things will change. Not overnight, but they'll change. They'll change in a major, major way. And so the word therefore, uh, we were talking about this in Mexico and Danny's like, you know, every time you see the word therefore, you got to ask what it's there for. And so there's a whole lot of stuff that I we don't have time to go through the whole book of Romans, but I feel like it'd be cool to start in Romans chapter one and do a quick one, two, skip a few to find out what the therefore is there for. So in Romans chapter 1, if you have your Bible there, look at it. Romans chapter 1, this is Paul starting this letter to the book of Romans, which is actually gonna land us um, in Romans chapter 12 as you know for today. But look at this. It says Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated To the gospel of God. Which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, somebody say through him. him. We have received. Grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, uh, for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So he starts this letter. We're going to land over in Romans chapter 12 and talk about being a living sacrifice. But he starts this letter talking about him. He starts with him. Because here's the thing. Everything in the kingdom of God, it starts with you. What are you going to do with Jesus? So, uh, I mean, it originally starts with him, but your partnership in it starts with you. Your part in it starts with you. Your place in God. Your place in God and what God will accomplish through your life there's a starting point that you have to say. Like He, he comes in, he says, Paul. And so there's a, there's a time that you have to insert your name in it. Maybe people treated you wrong. Maybe people hurt you. or Maybe your parents did this or parents, whatever happened, there's a time where you're no longer in the back seat driving the car of life, being driven around by others, but there's a time that you now are in the front seat and you get to make decisions. You get to make decisions. And Paul is writing this when I see this Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That is by choice. That, that tells me, Paul made a choice, and this church is filled with people who, one time in your life, you made a choice. And you said, I'm not going to keep doing what I've always done. I'm not going to keep serving myself. I'm not going to keep running in sin. I'm not going to keep doing that nonsense. That you made a choice to say Jesus is Lord and I'm going to serve Him. And right now you're in this room because you made a choice. And you would say of your life, whatever your name is, Paul, John, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You know who you are. You know who you are. That's who's writing this to us. He's writing from a place of someone who's already presented himself to the Lord. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I love what what he says here, separated to the gospel. When you study out that phrase in the Greek, that, that phrasing separated to, speaks about this process of, of a boundary line, like a distinct um, uh, distinct and specific boundary line, like, like a clear picture of a before and an after. There is a bound a territory, there is a boundary, there is a difference. There is a difference from then to now. And Paul is saying, I was separated from, Sarah talked about this last night. She got her preach on last night. It was an amazing time in the, in the worship night that we had. And, and Caitlin and JP did a great job. And God just showed up and it was a really cool time last night. But as Sarah was speaking, I was thinking about this. And, and there's, a, there's a separate, Paul said, I'm separated too. See, sometimes we focus on what we were separated from. But you need to focus on what you're separated to. And so in this phrase in Greek where it talks about being separated to the gospel, it is including the knowledge of you are separated from something, but the emphasis is not on what you were separated from, the emphasis on what you were separated to. And that's a danger when people get separated from a life of sin or a life of whatever, and, and they they end up talking about, well, Jesus saved me from this, and they keep talking about that, which that's it's it's okay and right to talk about what Jesus saved you from. But the main part of the story is what he saved you for, what he saved you to. Because when you understand what he saved you to and what he saved you for, you'll never go back to you're from. And so some of you, what you need today in a dedication unto the Lord, to dedicate yourself this year unto the Lord, is to have a clear boundary line to say, I know what I'm from, but Lord, I need to know what I'm for. And I've been separated unto the gospel. This is incredible. Gosh, I wish I had. This is incredible. Because as he goes on here, he talks about this whole concept of being separated. Sarah last night talked about being transferred from the the kingdom or powers of darkness to the kingdom of God. And there's that separation. Separated unto the Lord. And dedication and presenting yourself is all about being 100% of separated from and separated to. To have a clear, distinct uh, vision of that is who I was and that is what I did, but that is not who I am and it's not what I do. If you are currently doing in Jesus the things that he saved you from, then you don't have a revelation of what he saved you for. Because we all get tempted. Every one of us is going to get tempted. The temptation is not the problem. But what we need is a revelation and a a vision and an understanding and a boldness and an authority from the anointing of God. When the temptation shows up to say, ha, 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 I ain't falling for that. No, 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 no. You can go on somewhere with that. Satan, you get behind me. Because I know what I'm separated to. And he walks this thing out through this through the scripture when you, when you look at it. Um, and this is how he starts. This is the start to get to Romans 12. So you want to know what the therefore is there for? you got to go back to Romans 1 and see who's writing this and what is he writing from. Because he understands that he's a part of this gospel. In other places he calls it my gospel. Because he had such partnership and such ownership of it. He, he said in different times, "This is my gospel. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ, and it's by choice. It's by choice. Faith is always a choice. Obedience is always a choice. And anytime you feel like I don't have a choice, I just got to sin—that's a lie. You have a choice." And Paul is writing this, and look at what he says, separated to the gospel of God, verse 2. He says, which he promised, so the gospel is what he promised, watch this, through the prophets and the holy scriptures. Why do we call our Bible the holy Bible? Because it's holy. It's the holy scriptures that God through his prophets used to, to present to us the gospel and his promises. The good news gospel is good news. And that's a that's a very elementary way to say the definition of, of, of it's, it's great news. It's the news of the king opening up his kingdom to us so we could be adopted into the family of heaven and be redeemed and be reborn and be be used for the glory of God. And the reality is, when he's, when he's saying this, that he's saying, I'm a bondservant. He's saying, I'm separated from some stuff, but I'm separated to the gospel. And the gospel that I'm separated to, the gospel that I'm standing in, first was presented to me through the holy prophets and the holy scriptures by the promise of God. Incredible. And then, so he talks about God making the promise of the gospel through the prophets and the holy, set-apart, divine scriptures. And he said, I am now a part of this. And he talks about Jesus Christ concerning His Son, because Jesus is the living Word, concerning His Son. And it talks about the spirit of holiness, because the Holy Bible and the promises and, and a dedicated life all the way through it should have a fragrance of a spirit of holiness. And that's one of the things, that's why I'm so thankful for Bill Griffin. He talks about this all the time. Not that, he, and he doesn't come across like he's perfect and better than other people, but he talks about there needs to be a holiness. And he's not saying that, like, I'm better than others. I know he gets on his knees, God, make me holy. And sometimes, probably, Holly, make me holy. And Holly just, boom, you know, makes it happen. But the reality is that this passion and desire for the people of God to be like God, and to be like God, we got to be holy, for He is holy. So, dedicating ourselves unto God, what Paul is talking about is the gospel and the good news of the promises of God are holy. They're holy, they're not common. This book is holy. It's okay if you have questions about how do we get it? How do we know it's true? I understand all those questions. I'm not asking you to blindly just believe this is the word of God. But understand this, as you seek and you seek the Lord and ask questions, you seek Him and let Him answer those questions. Because a lot of people have questions and they start going to all the wrong places. But when you go to the Lord through his word, you recognize he is holy. Therefore, his word is holy. And when I come into relationship with him, he has made me holy. So I'm separated from unholiness to holiness. And there should be a spirit of holiness in my life. And my job is not to go into the world to say unholy, unclean, unclean, unholy. My job is not to go judge the world. My job is, number one, to be holy. My job, number two, is the brothers and sisters in Christ that I love, the other disciples of Christ, is to relationally, in a loving way, encourage them to be holy because Jesus made them holy. So we're separated to this thing of holiness, purity, cleanliness. We are are right with the Lord. We smell like him, look like him, walk like him, talk like him, act like him. It's, we're holy. And Paul is writing this at the beginning of this thing. And he's tying this stuff, this stuff into it. And then he, he lands on, look at, verse, look at verse 6. He says, among whom you also. So he starts with him, goes through the scriptures, goes to Jesus about these promises. Talks that these promises are, are done in the spirit of holiness. And now he's saying this promise is extended to you. He's saying, I'm walking in something that God promised through these people, through scriptures and through his son. And I'm walking in it. And now they are empowering me to invite you to be a part of it. So when we talk about Romans 12, present yourself as a living sacrifice. What we're talking about doing is exactly what Paul did, exactly what Jesus did. And exactly what every believer on the face of this planet has done since they've heard the gospel. So we're called into this dedication unto holiness. The call is for you. The call is for you. It's for you. You need to see it personally. It's for you. You know what changed in my life? I took sin personal. I took the invitation to join some stuff. Have y'all ever had an invitation to join in sin? I took it personal. Like, that's me. You're inviting me. That's got my name all over it. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I had that kind of like, like that's, that's me and it took me a while to start walking with God before I begin to see the promises of God and the calling of God that I could I could have the same level of that's me. So all I did was all I did was become as dedicated to the gospel and to the to him as I was to sin. Some of y'all are the most dedicated people I know. The most com- committed people I know. You're just committed to the wrong god committed to the wrong substance. And there's a spirit of unholiness that's lingering around you. Like Sarah was talking last night, walking through a graveyard and the spirits are reaching up and pulling you back down. You never seem to be able to break free. You never seem to be able to break through the, the tackles to be able to go all the way to the touchdown. You never seem to be able to break free. Break free. But those in this room who have broken free, you, you know how you did it. It was your dedication unto the Lord. And his power and his anointing broke you free. So, one, two, skip. If you go to Romans chapter six, just skip over and go to Romans chapter six and, and look at what he says there. And, guys, there's so much I'm skipping, it's not even funny. Talking about presenting yourself to the Lord. Romans six, look, we'll just start in verse 15. I know it's a lot, but I want you to see it. We'll start in verse 15. Uh, Romans six, verse 15. When you got it, say, Got it. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Emphatically, he says, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Two choices. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, meaning the gospel. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So I speak to you in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh or of your body. For just as you presented, look at that, just as you presented in your past your your members as slaves to unrighteousness or uncleanliness, unholiness is what it means, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, everybody say now, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Now. There's a then, there's a now. I've been separated from my sin and from my past and from my unholy life to the gospel of God. And there's a purpose for it. God is not just making me clean to set me on a shelf. God is making me clean to send me back into unclean places and represent how clean the Lord is. God is bringing light into me to send me back into dark places so that the people who are sitting in darkness will see a great light. God wants to clean me so He can use me, not so He can love me. He loved me when I was a mess. He loved me in my sin. The issue is not, does God love me? The issue is, do I love God? Will I love God enough to dedicate my life to Him, present myself before Him so that God can use me? Because there is no greater call. All this young generation, are here, different people talking about they want to make a difference. There is no greater movement. There is no greater call than the Great Commission of Christ. And the problem is the church has not done a good job of representing what that is. And so a younger generation saw what we have done and says, I don't want to do it. Because we've not accurately represented as a whole the Great Commission. Sometimes we come as if we're called to judge the world instead of love the world. And then we do one thing and say another. And so they see some of the hypocrisy and I don't want that. Some of you in your household, your kids see what you do on Sunday, but the reason why they're not excited about going to church on Sunday because they see how you live all week and they know it's a sham. But that's a lie because it's not a sham because you did believe the Lord. The problem is you have not dedicated yourself to what you believe. And so there has to be a commitment to say, whoa, 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 let me remember who I am. Because my pain and my circumstances and my pressure and whatever is happening to make me forget who I am—who whoa, whoa, whoa. I was—that I was sin, I was shame, I was an addict, I was that, I was unfruitful, I was unfaithful—but that's not who I am. I am a new creation in Christ. I am a bond servant of the Lord. And I repent and I dedicate myself unto the Lord. Not so he will love me because he already loves me, but so he can clean my life and use me for his glory. So how do I do it? Real simple. Who do I present myself to? Who do I present myself to? So being dedicated is presenting yourself unto the Lord. One, to skip a few. Look at Romans 11. And this one is huge. I don't even know how to even, I shouldn't even attempt this. This is huge, but I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Romans 11, Paul's talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, the people that God chose. Because remember the Holy Scriptures we talked about, that God gave his promises through the Holy Scriptures. So God chose a person to choose a people and to use those people to make his promises known to all people. But the people that God made the promises he was trying to make the promises through these people, not just to these people, the Israelites, the chosen people of God. He was trying to make his promises not only to them, but through them. But they begin to think as, as in mass quantities, they begin to think, oh, God, we're better than everybody else. God chose us. We're the people of God. Y'all aren't. And what happened is they made the gospel unto th- them. They begin to see is the promises were unto them, not to everybody else. And there began to be an us and them mentality. And that happens in the church today. You never need to forget what God saved you from. So that when you encounter it in somebody else's life, you know the victory of Jesus. And you know God can bring this person out. But you never need to forget what he saved you for and what he saved you to. Because if that vision is not working in you in a great strong capacity, then you will fall prey to actually go back to what you were enslaved in. And so the Israelites, this whole thing is about God, God, you know, God explaining in his wisdom how he used them. He wanted to use them to reach all people. And just look at, look at what he says in verse, starting at this, for sake of time, starting in verse 28. Romans 11, starting in 28. Concerning the gospel, so now we're still talking about the gospel, separated unto the gospel. So now concerning the gospel, the good news, um, they, meaning the Israelites, are, are enemies of the gospel for your sake. Meaning for Gentiles, those who are not born from a physical bloodline of Jewish or Hebrew descent. So they are enemies for your sake, but concerning election, they are beloved for, for the sake of your fathers. I'm going to explain this in a second. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Man, what a powerful verse. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these have also now been disobedient that they... Through the mercy shown you, through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. Oh, this is incredible. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Notice this mercy, 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 mercy. Oh, the depth and the riches. Both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who um, has first given to him as it shall be repaid to him? And look, oh, it lands right here. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom the glory to whom be glory forever and ever. So what he's saying here, Paul's talking about this whole thing of I'm a bond servant separated to Christ and the promise of or separated to the gospel. And this gospel was promised through the prophets of God and the holy scriptures of God, which then Jesus, the son of God, walked in. And now I am an apostle to that. And I'm coming to say you can come have a part in it. That's the process. And then he goes through the whole rest of the book talking about all kinds of amazing stuff. Y'all who went through Jamie Futrell's class about Romans, you you know what I'm talking about. It's an amazing book that has so much revelation in it. So we're one, two, skip a few going through this. And now he's talking about the people that God used to write the Scriptures, the Israelites. And what he's saying is they were disobedient. They, many of them, did not believe the promises that I gave to them. They read the word, but they didn't come to me. They didn't believe in me. So that when the living word showed up, When the living word showed up, they didn't receive me, they rejected me. And what God is saying, in my wisdom, I use that for your sake. That their disobedience provided an opportunity for your obedience. And what that means is, I want to show mercy. I want to show mercy. They disobeyed me, they rejected me, but through their life, I used it as an opportunity because God is always at work. I'll use it as an opportunity to deliver mercy to a group of people who don't know me and aren't seeking me, uh, seeking me and they don't want me. And that mercy's given to you and I. And we come into relationship with Christ. And now we can say, John, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, separated to the gospel of God. Now, if I said that to a Jewish person, wait a minute, how? You're not, you're not Jewish, you're not Hebrew, you're not a son or, or daughter of Abraham. That promise is not unto you. And that's where they would be mistaken. Because they made it about them. Anytime we make it about us, we're mistaken. And so the reality is, what he's saying here is, they were disobedient so I could give you mercy. And I worked mercy in that. And when you come into obedience, I want to use your life to present my gospel back to the people who presented it to you. And they're going to get a second chance. The true second chance is for the Jew. The greatest privilege you will ever have in your life is leading a Jewish person to to their Messiah named Jesus. But what's happened is the church has totally messed up the gospel. We make it about us and not about him. We make an American Jesus. Make it about our churches and our denominations and not about him. And so we go back and present a gospel to the Jewish people and they're over here knowing the roots of Abraham and all that and saying, that ain't the Messiah I know. That's the American gospel. I don't want that. And so when we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, we come and what we have the ability to do is let the Lord teach us and let the Lord grow us because His Word is so precious to us. It's holy to us. His word is holy to us. I can tell. I can tell you right now, in a way you may not like it, and you might go to another church. But listen to me right now. That I can tell you how important God's word is to you. I can tell. Now you can tell me all you want. You can say, Pastor John, I love the word. I believe the word is the word of God. I love the word. I'm, I love. I believe the word. You can tell me that all you want. But the thing that tells me what you really believe about the word of God and what you really how what your relationship is really and truly to the word of God is how much meaningful time have you spent in it this week that, that's it and I know that that's going to make some of y'all mad but, the rea- and, and, but that's what I challenge myself with because I know enough scriptures I could coast this thing I could probably preach the rest of my days entertaining you off the scriptures that I have already know and I already understand and, and twist them and turn them to make it fun and make it entertaining but that's half the problem we got way too many churches that are entertaining people Instead of challenging them and equipping them, saying, you are the people of God. You are a disciple of Christ. You've been separated from something. and You've been separated to the gospel. Therefore, therefore, everything that is of him and through him and back to him It's not of me and through me and to me. It's of him, through him, and to him. Therefore, therefore, I passionately urge you, is what Paul is saying, to present your body as a living sacrifice. He's passionately urging us In light of all this stuff, to present your body a living sacrifice. See, the enemy wants you to present your body as a dead sacrifice. The enemy with the spirit of suicide is attacking this generation to get them and teenagers to offer their... He confuses them in identity. He confuses them in sexuality. He confuses them about everything that could possibly be confused about because there's not a culture that really knows the Word of God predominating in the home and in the family to say, listen, that's a lie from the enemy and you need to believe the Word of God. I love you, but that's not who you are. This is who you are. I'll walk with you through your struggle. I'll walk with you through your battle. I'm not going to I'm not going to like beat you up about it, but I'm going to tell you who you are. Because as a parent, when you don't know you when your child doesn't know who they are, you as a parent in the Lord, you need to remind them of who they are. You don't affirm with their ungodly their ungodly confusion about a false identity. That's not good parenting. And that's not kingdom Now you don't go bash them and judge them and bring hate to them. You have to be patient and you have to be gentle. You have to be gentle. And you have to be with them and say, I understand your confusion. I understand your confusion. Because sin is confusing. And maybe you were not confused in the same exact confusion they're confused in. But sin confused you. And don't get confused about that. So you come with compassion and gentleness, but you don't affirm the false narrative. You don't affirm the false lie. You say you have a savior who loves you and he wants to separate you from this. He wants to see he died in this so you could be free from this and step on into this new life in the gospel. And a new identity in Christ. So here's what you do. You present your life as a living sacrifice. And and what and when you do this, you present your life as a living sacrifice. I love what it says. Pull up that scripture again, guys, in, in the amplified version. Um, I love what it says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, present uh, by the mercies of God, meaning meaning, in light of the mercies of God, that like God is merciful, in light of His mercy, not coming fearing judgment, in the mercy and under the umbrella of the merciful, loving God that I come present my body, declaring, uh, dedicating all of myself as set apart, you know, uh, as a living sacrifice. Watch this. Holy and well-pleasing to God. Before you do anything... You need to ask yourself, is this holy and well-pleasing to God? I could take another hour going through scriptures about being pleasing to the Lord. about children obeying your parents, because this is pleasing to the Lord. That's a whole other sermon. So this reality of dedicating myself, but watch this, watch this. Which is your rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship? This is not emotional. Emotion should be included in it, but it's not driven by emotion. Faith is not emotional. Faith should affect every emotion you have. Faith will actually create emotions, but faith is not emotional. Faith is logical faith is rational and what he's saying based on the gospel based on the promise of the gospel through scriptures and how Jesus affirmed and confirmed and fulfilled that gospel and how I am and Paul is saying I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ because I have I have been separated I have participated and been a partner with God presented myself to God and I am now separated from sin and to the gospel and I now am coming to you Saying, God is calling you to the same thing. Everything is of Him, from, or through Him and to Him. And so what He's saying is, now I'm calling you. And I passionately urge you with everything in me. It's hard to emphasize... The passion that that one simple phrase says. The passion that's in there. I passionately urge you to dedicate yourself. Because if you don't, we have an enemy in a spirit of darkness that is inviting teenagers through all kinds of stuff. Inviting people, not just teenagers, but inviting every generation to an altar of a dead sacrifice which usually works itself out in either a suicide... Lay your life on an altar and maybe your memory might mean something. But the Holy Spirit leads you to a spirit of being crucified with Christ. Which is the antidote from being, for, from the spirit of suicide. Because a, a spirit of death and a spirit of suicide will come in, will lie to you about your identity, confuse you about who you are and what your calling is, make you feel so low and so belittled. And once you try all the falseness that he offers you, it's gonna be even a deeper, just like we go, just like we presented our members to unrighteousness, to even more lawlessness and unrighteousness. A spirit will lead you in deception to where this, he, he lies to you about who you are. And then as you try all these different things to try to find yourself, and at the end of that whole story, you end up more empty than you were at the beginning. Because everything you thought was going to save you doesn't save you because it's not your Savior. And you either commit suicide in a moment or over a lifetime. When you could be living the crucified life. Anybody who's committed suicide or struggle with that, you've been invited to an altar to dedicate yourself to the wrong God. God has mercy. God is merciful. God is merciful, but that's what that is. Spirit's lying to you. Your pain lying to you. And what the Holy Spirit is doing through Paul and hopefully through me and hopefully through you is one to another saying, I urge you. I passionately urge you to dedicate your life to the Lord. Lay your life down on the altar of the cross. And the altar of the cross, which is, which is the resurrected Jesus. That's why I don't like looking at crosses that still have Jesus on them. Because I'm like, that's not, that's not accurate. But the authority of the resurrected king, the resurrect See, that's a living sacrifice because he's living and he f- ever lives. So I, I submit myself to him. I'm, uh, and, and one of the, the greatest things to, the, to illustrate this is to be a holy and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to him, which is my logical, reasonable act of worship. I love the worship that we do. I love this. I love songs. I love all that. But the greatest worship you can do has nothing to do with a song, has nothing to do with an instrument, has nothing to do with a beat or a rhythm. The greatest worship you can do is the act of obedience to lay your life on the altar to be a living sacrifice. To let the fire of the altar burn your flesh away. Burn every ungodly desire in your life away so that nothing but Jesus remains. And you walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And that means we die daily. We dedicate daily unto the Lord daily. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Only when you do that On a daily basis, can you begin to understand what prospering really means? Otherwise, you'll take the truths in the Bible about the promises of prospering and you'll make it about your flesh instead of about your king. The Lord is calling us to dedicate ourselves for your family, for your business. For everything in your life, he's calling us to a fresh dedication. And one of the greatest pictures of this is Galatians 2.20. Pull that scripture up and worship team, come on up. I have been, I say this every day of my life. I pray this every day of my life. This is what it means to live a, to present yourself. This is what it means when you have a choice, you have a temptation, and your flesh is wanting to do this, but you know that that's not God's will for you, so you need to, you need to dedicate to another thing. You need to submit to another thing. You need to choose a, a holy way. You need to choose a different thing to do instead of being a prisoner to that sin and to that shame. You need to begin to declare this over your life and say, I am crucified. With Christ. And I, John Aiken, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He didn't give me righteousness, He didn't give me peace, He didn't give me joy, He didn't give me a purpose, He gave me Himself. And in him do I have righteousness. In him do I have peace. In him I have joy. And in him I have purpose. But it's him. It's always been him. It's of him, through him, and to him. It's him. It's loving Jesus. It's being one with Jesus. It's Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my King. It's Jesus. You can have the world, just give me Jesus. You can have America, just give me Jesus. One of the dangers in our time is America and a nation being lifted in idolatry to a place that God never wanted it to be. Give me Jesus. This kind of sermon this year at the beginning of the year will determine which church you need to go to. Because I pray in Jesus' name, it's like this all year long. What I want to do is call us to a time of dedication. Pastor, I still don't know how do I present myself. All of you to all of him. You humble yourself. You submit yourself to the Lord and then you resist the enemy. See, sometimes I think we get that backwards. We humble ourselves to the enemy and resist the Lord. And here's what happens. Oh, I'm, I, can watch, I can watch that TV show. It's not, it's, it, I can watch it. It's not, not that bad. I can listen to that music. I mean, I'm saved. I'm Get off me. I'm saved. I'm saved. Don't worry. I, I, I can listen to that music. I can watch that show. I can read this book. I can do this thing. I can, I, it's okay. It's got a little bit of stuff in it, but it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I'm saved. Quit quit judging. Quit. I'm, I'm saved. God loves me. See, sometimes because God does not bring immediate judgment upon a sin, we think we get away with it. So I'm talking about a time of dedication to get past your comfort zone so that God can use you in such a powerful way that you never thought possible. And it starts with humbling yourself. Not taking shame, not taking blame, but taking responsibility to come and know that you are loved, know that by the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven, that you are accepted and that God is not condemning you, but he is wanting to correct you. But he's not condemning you. It's you coming, knowing that you're coming boldly to the throne of grace to present your life at an altar today and every day. And before I tell you what we're going to do today, here's what I want you to do all week. For those who want to. Bishop Larry Jackson taught me a long time ago about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is written eight verses at a time. It's a long chapter. But Psalm 119, if you study it in Hebrew and look at it in Hebrew, I say that like I know Hebrew. If y'all would study it in Hebrew like I do. I can't even spell Hebrew. But I know in Hebrew, somebody told me in Hebrew that there's that eight verses at a time you eight verses at a time there's like stanzas like a poetic stanza what happens is every section of verses is has is illustrates and is written uh, through the the letter of the Hebrew alphabet so when you go through the entire chapter eight verses at a time you've actually gone through the entire Hebrew alphabet and your bible originally the old testament was written in Hebrew So when you go through Psalm 119, you're going through every letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Eight verses at a time. And this week, what I want you to do, don't be a hero and go read the whole chapter. I want you to read verses 1 through 8 every day. I want you to get at your table with the Lord every day. Today, tomorrow, the next day, all week long, every day, I want you to get get... Sit down with the Lord, and I want you to read the first eight verses of Psalm 119. Then what I want you to do, is say, there's more, there's more, is Galatians 2.20. And I want you to read that. I want you to get that in your heart. Even for those who think I know it, I want you to read it every day. And every day when you do this, you come and you freshly dedicate yourself to the Lord. That, Lord, I dedicate my life to you to be a living Sacrifice that is holy and acceptable in your sight. So you may have friends and people that accept your way of living right now, but that doesn't mean God does. You may have you may have friends that accept what you watch on Netflix, but that doesn't mean that's what God does. You may have friends that accept all your posts on Facebook, but that doesn't mean God does. (laughs) Aren't you encouraged? God is at work, and I want to call us right now. That's what I want you to do all week. I just told you what I want you to do all week, but right now, I just want to check. Is there anybody in this room that, up until this point in your life, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord? Meaning, you've never made a prayerful and verbal confession, a decision a decision, not just an emotion, but a decision where you have said, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. And I believe God has raised you from the dead. And that's what the Bible means to call upon the name of the Lord. That means you're surrendering your life to Jesus. I believe Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Still have a lot of other questions, but I believe that those two things. See, if you believe that, the Bible says you call upon the name of the Lord. You believe that in your heart. You confess that with your mouth. You shall be saved. That means separated from, to. And just because you're in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just like when I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm not a cow or a chicken. So if you're in this room, I'm going to do this a little different than I normally do. So if you, I need you to be courageous and bold because I've done preach long and we still got stuff to do. If you're in this room and you know that's you, you know that's you. I'm asking you to be bold and courageous. If you know that today's a day for for the first time that you need to stop running from God. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus to be saved. And you know that's you. I'm not talking to the, the person that you know you're a Christian. You know you have relationship with God. You remember giving your life to the Lord but you've struggled and you want to come back to him, I'm not talking to you right now I'm talking to the person that says I can't believe I'm here today, this is freaking me out, but, but I do need to give my life to the Lord because I've never done it, if that's you, trust me, trust me, even though it's emotionally maybe weird, trust me, if that's you all I want you to do is agree with God if it's you, agree with God and just stand to your feet right where you're at, just stand up right where you're at, if it's you You don't need to worry about what anybody else thinks. I normally don't do it this way, but if that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. If you feel like you're about to throw up, I'm probably talking to you. I just want to give a minute. I know it's awkward. I just want to give a minute. I would so love to say, if you think the person sitting next to you is not saved, pinch him in the butt and see what happens. Let him get up. Anybody? Is there anybody here? Okay, that means every one of us knows the Lord means every one of us knows the Lord so now what I want you to do if you're here to say pastor you've been talking to me and I need a fresh dedication in my life you're talking to me I want you to come stand up front (laughs) it's all fun and games still turns on you pastor you're talking to me you're talking to me and I need a fresh dedication to the Lord I want you to come stand up front Some of you are looking around the room, looking at people who are coming. What you need to be doing is searching your own heart. When you're saying, I'll do this later, you better do it now. Because if you won't do it now, you won't do it later, I promise you. You humble yourself and you come. I want to pray over you. And then, and then once, I, once I pray over you, we're going to go into this time of worship and dedication. And I want you to just, I don't want you, you can in a few minutes go back to your seat if you want, you do whatever you want to do, but I want you, I want you to just try to dedicate yourself to the Lord now and worship him and sit before him and put your heart towards him in ways that you've not done in a long time. Just pour your heart out before him, pour your life out before. What if I cry? Then cry. What if I become a mess? Then become a mess. What if my hair gets messed up? Girl, you get it done later doesn't matter. You, you present yourself before the Lord. Before the Lord. So open your hands before the Lord. And we're going to go into a worship time that I'm going to start in prayer. And I want you to just, for the rest of the service, dedicate yourself to the Lord the best that you know how. So Father, in Jesus' name, we present ourselves before You, God. We believe You are calling us to a fresh time of dedication, God to lay down what needs to be laid down, to let go of what needs to be let go of. Jesus, we believe that You are Lord. We believe that God raised You from the dead. And we present ourselves before You, God. Trusting You, God, and believing You, God. We come to You with faith. We come to You, God, asking for mercy as we confess sin, as we confess, God, the the false things that we've done, the lies that we've believed. We humble ourselves before You, God, and we open our heart, we lay our life on the altar, and we know that the altar of the resurrected King, the cross of Christ, will sanctify our life and set it apart for Your purpose. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we lay our life down. We lay our life down that we would be holy, God, and acceptable in your sight, well-pleasing in your sight, that every false thing, and every dark thing, and every unclean thing, and every lie would be removed from our life, God. That we forsake it. We forsake it. We turn from it, God. We turn from that sin. We turn from that addiction. We turn from that compulsion. We turn from that lie, God. And we present ourselves today to you. So may your anointing break the yoke, break the sin. And I pray, Holy Spirit, over every person that's presented themselves. Holy Spirit, I pray your power and your anointing would flow through them as they worship you as they open up and as they lay their life down holy spirit i pray a song rises in them i pray joy rises in them i pray the flesh and darkness will flee and i pray the joy of the lord will be their strength give them new vision i declare new vision over you i declare a clean mind over you i declare joy over you i declare peace over you That the Holy Word and the Holy Scriptures will activate the holiness of Christ in you. And you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you read the Word. And I want you to whisper this before the, before the Lord. Just whisper it before Him. Say, Lord, I love you. And Lord, I turn from my sin. Cleanse me. And Lord, the greatest joy of my life is that you would use me for your glory. So let's worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.